It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL, who will be the Raiders quarterback? This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we start a new week here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own PTs, Arizona Charlies, all these unbelievable taverns here in town, and the Strat, which did an amazing job, from what I could tell with everything that happened with March Madness as we count down from the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, and now we have one of the most bizarre Final Fours I've ever seen in my life. Welcome in. I hope everybody has a good weekend. My voice getting a little bit better compared to where it was Friday had like a four-day head cold, and it's not getting any better. But we got a big week here in front of me, a bunch of radio shows, a bunch of podcasts, and we will march on here on what I think is a very important week because the Raiders are down at the owners' meetings in Phoenix. Q's there, Vinny Bonsignor, a lot of our teammates are down there, and we'll hear from them this week, and we'll get a vibe for what's going on because there's a lot of big stories happening, not only with the Raiders. Josh McDaniels met the media today. But also what's happening with Lamar Jackson, breaking news today, the quarterback situation. Uh, season win totals are out. Not great news if you're a Raider fan, but maybe a value play to make money and take the win total over the top. And still the final four, which came through Vegas in a regional. All the Swifties that were in town, all the people that were here, my three nephews were here, my son, for a big bachelor party weekend. I helped them in any way that I could with club access, this, that, viewing parties, all that. So they had a good time. And uh, I've been battling through this cold, but I'll get through it. And we'll have a big week here at radio. A lot of good guests lined up, including one of the best in the NFL, Mike Florio, pro football talk. He'll join us at the top of next hour. He's live at the owners' meetings for us. We'll talk about the breaking news, which is Lamar Jackson requesting a trade for the Ravens. That's a big interview today. We'll have him on. Also, Casey Jacobson, former Stanford standout basketball player, went to three NCAA tournaments, really sharp from Fox Sports 1 and Big Fox. We'll get into him about what happened. I was at the Gonzaga-UConn game, some of the other games from yesterday, the foul call, the foul call that sent San Diego State to the Final Four. Creighton is out and how that played out. So all of that is on the table today. And I'd like to hear from you if you had a chance to listen to the head coach's press conference, the breakfast press conference that happened a couple of hours ago. Bobby and I were thinking about playing most of it in its entirety because it's a different day part. People weren't up in the morning, didn't hear it, didn't see it. But I think we're going to take some sound bites and talk about that. And the way we decided to do it is hour one, we're going to concentrate on Jimmy Garoppolo because the coach had a lot to say about Jimmy G and the fit and why they went in that direction. Hour number two, where we have the time, 
we'll kind of mix in the other comments about the defense, the draft, the direction that the Raiders are going to go in. You know, one of the ways I prep for this show is every day I talk to a number of Raider fans and I get their feeling. It could be Gorilla Rilla, could be Cisco. Uh, today it was Raider Mike in Texas. Normally every day Raider Mort. And I run by their temperature because they're sane. They're sane individuals. And the most of the Raider Nation I talk to is sane individuals who want to win. And then there is a small pool of fans that just don't want to listen now, and they're just triggered, they're irate, they hate everything, they don't like the coach, they don't like the quarterback, and all of that. And fortunately, I have a little bit of control with my name on this radio show, who I get to put on the radio. And I've never said you can't call. Never, if, you, if you show respect, you can call in. If you make it personal and use the word hate, and I want them fired and all this, you're not welcome. You are not welcome. You're welcome on Twitter to jump in that cesspool and do whatever you want. You're welcome to go when the coach speaks, I guess, and they let you go in in the comments and say vile things, which I wouldn't approve, but it happens there. You can do that in the United States of America. You do have the freedom to do whatever you want. But we're looking for a group of Raider fans every day. It could be 10 callers. It could be six. Some days I'm buried with guests. I only get to two or three an hour. But we want to hear from some fans, not that are fake positive. That's not the goal of this show. And when I get accused of being positive and spinning on this, no, I don't. What I try to do is give you the best information. I don't agree with everything, but I try to tell you what I think is right, tell you what I think the plan is, try to tell you where it's going. And again, I'm able to clean all this up because I'm an army of one after the game on the postgame show. I'm an army of one, and I have to stand in front of the entire organization and field calls from fans after the games live inside the stadium. So I got to apologize to anybody. You want to trade off and do that and want to try that? Get 20 years of experience and armor put on you. And I've been able to do that, I think, at a very high level doing that show. So what do we do in the offseason here when the coach talks? We try to have a rational conversation. Why'd they go with Jimmy G? Why did they franchise tag Josh Jacobs? Who are they going to go in the draft with, right? So the conversation becomes an adult conversation from the fans of this franchise on the flagship station that want to win. Now, are you going to win the Super Bowl this year? Am I going to pick the Raiders to win the Super Bowl? No. But I know Mark Davis wants to win the Super Bowl in Vegas. I know he wants to. I know a lot of other people are more rational from a fan perspective of what they want. They'd like to win. Maybe they think it's a good building block first year, really first year for Dave Ziegler to have a full draft to get it done. I don't know what you think unless you call me and tweet at me. I can't read your mind. So what we're going to do now is I looked at the calendar today. As my wife made me a cup of tea, which I'm not a tea drinker, but I've been drinking a lot of that this week, is I'm looking at the calendar, and it's the 27th of March, and we have the draft coming up at the end of April. So we're 30 days out. So Bobby and I have decided that we are going to go balls out, balls out for a month on the draft. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to figure out, we're going to try to figure out what's going on and what direction they can go in, even though you and I, are not supposed to know the direction they're going in. It's insane to know because they have to have the ability to surprise other teams in the league by trading up or trading back or doing all this. So we're not going to know what happens until the pick comes. But at sports radio, we're supposed to at least take our shot and have an idea of what they want to do. And that's all over the place. I mean, I've talked to Raider fans who still want to get a quarterback early in the draft. I think you're nuts. Then don't get Jimmy Garoppolo. Get Jacoby Brissett and then go trade up to number two and go get a quarterback. But I'm aware that they could do that because of the way they signed Jimmy Garoppolo and the outs that they have is very similar to Derek Carr. 
You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not guaranteed to be here for three years. I would assume he's going to be here for a minimum of two, and that could change if you draft a quarterback and move up to get him. I'm really big on the defensive side of the ball because I know what happens with this team throughout several regimes when they don't get good defensive players or even they try to draft good defensive players and those players flame out. Damon Arnett, Cleve Farrell, who really didn't flame out, but he shouldn't have been number four overall. And then you go down the list of all the cornerbacks and the wasteland of no linebackers brought into this organization. So this year, I'm thinking it's going to be a big, 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 big priority to get defense with the first five or six picks. Would I like a tight end? No. I don't like a tight end right now. I don't care how good they are. They got O.J. Howard. They went out and got Hooper. Right now they got tight ends. They got a quarterback. They got a running back. They got Devontae, Jacoby, and for now, Hunter. I don't need anything on offense. I don't need anything on offense other than a really good offensive lineman at right tackle or one of the guards. Because Dylan Parham was drafted as one of the guards, and he's not going anywhere. He's going to be here. He's a building block under the Ziegler era. So I'm pretty good with the offense. Most fans are still, you know, a little bit sore about Waller and what, what really happened to Waller and all this. I told you, we wish Darren Waller well. I talked about that with my nephews this weekend because most of them are Giant fans. And I said, you're going to have a hell of a hell of a tight end if he stays available, but you're even going to have a better guy in the community. And I'm telling you something, Darren Waller will get to New York City and he'll start working with the homeless. He'll start going underground in the train tracks. He'll try to save lives. That's what I care about. I don't care if you drop the football. I want you to win. I care about the human element of these guys and what they do in their lives. Same thing I said with Derek. Wish him well. He's going to go to New Orleans. He's going to get involved in a church there. He's going to start preaching. I'm going to talk about a guy who has tremendous religious beliefs. I'm not going to sit here and let fans just destroy him every day. Derek Carr is gone. Jimmy Garoppolo takes over. So with all that being said, I think the offense, as I've been saying for a couple of weeks, is set other than a surprise. The only thing I left I can see with the offense is a surprise, and I hope that they get an offensive lineman that on NFL cutdown day, and what I mean by this is a team that already has a good right guard, a team that already has a good right tackle, they are able to draft the better one. So whoever that team is, they draft the right guard, and they love the kid. He falls to him. And then their current right guard, maybe they, he gets cut and the Raiders sign him. That's the type of player that I wanted last year and they didn't go with. They went with younger players. I'd like to see a veteran come in there with a proven name on his back who I'm familiar with to start on the offensive line to help out Jimmy G. Other than that, I'm pretty good. I mean, people are texting me, are the Raiders going to get DeAndre Hopkins? I, go, I don't think so. But if, if the deal is so cheap that they can go Devontae Wright, Jacoby Myers in the slot, DeAndre Hopkins right, Hunter Renfro in the other slot. I could live with that. That's going to put him in a position to win with Jimmy Garoppolo and Josh Jacobs and Colt Miller and what they have here. So I think the offense, they'll get an offensive player or two in the draft. I don't think the offensive players should be priority. I think it should be the defensive players. So I'm just going to interview a ton of people over the next month who have mock drafts and I study this more so than I do, and I'm going to see what they think the Raiders are going to do. From Bucky Brooks and his draft, mock draft, Daniel Jeremiah with what he thinks could be the best choice. Whoever we get on the radio, we'll interview them on the Raiders and what they're going to do at number seven. I think they should stay at number seven or trade back into the teens and get another pick. They got the 100th pick for Waller. A lot of fans wanted a better pick. So did I. I'd like fairy dust in a first-round pick. You're not getting it. So they have what they have, and I think they have fresh powder to go in and, and do great in the draft. They also have to do great in the draft. 
this isn't, well, you know, they did okay in, in free agency. Now they could do okay in the draft. No, no. They decided, they're on record, saying they want to do great things in the draft. They have good picks. Now they got to nail it. They got to thread the needle. And I think Dave Ziegler's the guy to do that. I can't predict what he's going to do, but I know who he is. I know what he can do. And I'm excited about the fact that the draft is going to be massive here with the Raiders. So that being said, I wanted to shorten the monologue to get you up here. I'm going to play a couple of sound bites throughout the broadcast, and you can react to it. And again, if you're going to react to Coach Josh McDaniels, if you're not going to give him a chance to work through free agency in the draft, I looked at all the new players that they've signed here and the depth that they brought in from Duke Shelley to David Long Jr. They seem to be pretty excited about the players they brought in. Robert Spillane at linebacker, Marcus Epps at safety. Those guys are going to start. Jordan Willis coming off the edge to spell Chandler Jones. Uh, John Jenkins in the middle with Tillery and Butler and Bilal Nichols and Neil Farrell. They got a lot of depth, but they got a lot of guys, as Raider Mort would say. They got a lot of guys. They don't have a lot of pro bowlers, but it's their job to justify why they brought these guys in. Are they guys who are just going to be cost-effective on the short term or guys that could be here a couple of years? Because you're hearing the coach and the GM completely on the same page. They played college football together. They're great friends. They're family. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are family. You're family. You're in the Raider family. You should treat these gentlemen like family and not make it personal and be pissed off every 10 minutes of every day because you don't like the coach or you don't like the pick. You should look at the family and say, hey, I don't want to be miserable for another 18 months. They might be on the right page here. They come from a much more successful model than we've seen here in a long time. Fact, not fiction. Let's get behind him. And if you can't get behind him, then take the year off. That's what I've been telling other fans. Take the year off. You claim to be great fans. You claim to have passion for everything. If you're that pissed off and you don't want to give the draft even a chance, take the year off and join us next year. Just give your tickets to Raider fans, please. Don't sell them to Chief fans. That's all I can tell you here in the opening. I can't change your mood. What I can do is do a two-hour fast-paced show with the best guest you can get and then try to give you an opportunity to interact. And that's what I saw today when I watched this press conference, watched it, and we cut up some of the sound as we begin on Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's Josh McDaniels on the thought of bringing in Jimmy G as the first option. Obviously, I have some experience with him. Um... You know, and, and I think this is a guy that um, I got I really got to know well when he came into the league because you know when you when you get these guys now there's a there's a huge process of kind of trying to you know explain the National Football League and, and teach them how you know things are done at this level, especially you know he came from Eastern Illinois and it's like you know they're never huddling and there's not a lot of that communication that goes on. Uh, in some of these college programs right now. And so, you know, we kind of took it from the ground-up approach. Um, and those four years were really good. Um, really, really, you, know, you got to know the kid, um, how he learns best. Um, and he really came a long way, obviously. And then, you know, what he's done since he's gone to, to Kyle and, and, and John in and, and San Francisco and uh, played in a lot of big games. Um, really performed well under pressure in a lot of those and um, you know he's been in a really uh, a really good winning culture you know and um, I'm excited actually to learn from him you know and, and listen to him talk about the things he's learned you know because obviously we've been away for a little while and 
um, you know, and, and getting to see him a couple weeks ago, and that was great. But looking forward to eventually getting a chance to sit down where we can actually sit down and talk about football um, and just kind of hear from his perspective, you know, where he's at, you know, and his growth and development, and then, you know, trying to piece this thing together as we go forward. But very excited about going forward with him. There's a lot there. You know, the trust factor that they have, the ability for him to make plays, make bigger decisions, the culture, what he can do with his decision-making process. They believe, as of now, they believe they have an upgrade at the quarterback position. I do too. And I like Derek Carr a lot. I think Garoppolo's, if it's a lateral move, I'll meet you halfway. I think he's a better red zone quarterback, and I think he's better in the system. If Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo went to different systems, not run by Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr might be a better quarterback. I have no problem admitting that. The head coach is Josh McDaniels. In his system, he is more comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo when it comes to reading defenses, getting the ball out quicker, and being more efficient in the red zone. Who in God's name doesn't understand that? I mean, I'm calling you out right now on the flagship if you don't understand that. I think you do. Now, you might not like it, but you should be able to understand the philosophy understand the plan and what they're trying to do now the question becomes can they do it and i can't guarantee you anything but i understand the plan they think that jimmy garoppolo considering the marketplace and we saw the market change today with lamar jackson requesting a trade tom uh aaron Rodgers is holding the jets hostage because the packers are now busting his chops on trying to move him and we're looking at the quarterback market here and i think jimmy garoppolo is a pretty good quarterback to have now is he top 10 no Is he top 15? Yes. And you can win with a top 15 quarterback who's only 31 years old and has won many playoff games and has a winning percentage. But you got to get the team a little bit better, a lot better on the defensive side of the ball. More on Jimmy Garoppolo and the interest, both teams, Jimmy G's availability and the Raiders' ability to go get him. You know, when we reached out and just expressed our interest in that conversation, um, it seemed that the interest was mutual right away and um, you know, and then things proceed from there. But um, I was excited that, that they were, you know, they felt the same way that we did. You know, a friend of mine, a Raider fan, said this best. He goes, you know, the Raiders are shopping for a quarterback. So they're shopping on a car lot with just nice vehicles. We're not talking about one of those, you know, car lots you see somewhere, a small car lot on Sahara or Charleston where you never pull into. I'm talking the Mercedes dealer, the BMW, the Ferrari, if you want, whatever dealer you like, but not one of those things on the side of the road, Joe's car lot. They're shopping for a quarterback. And I think they started shopping, and they noticed that a couple of the cars on the lot were gone. They were just gone. Tom Brady retired. Aaron Rodgers, $60 million. They want to spend that type of money. Lamar Jackson in this conundrum with that uh, Baltimore team. And then all of a sudden, there's a car in the corner, that hasn't been touched yet. It's the Jimmy G. And I'm like, we know that car. That car works well. Just got it cleaned up, ready to go. We'll take it. They had to make a move. You all understand this. The market was shrinking. There's chaos at the quarterback position. The Raiders wanted to get off the car contract, and they had to get something equal or better in value. And that's why they chose the familiarity of Jimmy Garoppolo. And now uh, Josh McDaniels talked about Jimmy G's understanding this pretty complex offense. We haven't really had any time to talk about it. I was just saying that, you know, at some point we'll get a chance once, you know, the offseason program actually starts uh, to sit down and, and talk about what he's learned, you know, which is obviously going to be significant. You know what I mean? He's been away 
for a long time and um, learned from a, a really good football coach who I have a great deal of respect for. So um, we'll kind of piece it together once we're able to, to get together and talk football. So they're going to work together and they're familiar with each other. Jimmy G, I think he's going to be a hard worker, just like Derek Carr, first guy in, last to leave, all that. Uh, from interviewing Jimmy Garoppolo first, very humble guy, doesn't want to be the guy who everybody's looking at and be dramatic, and he's always in the news. He just wants to be a Raider. That's a good thing. We should all be welcoming Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know how many games he's going to win. I don't know how long he's going to be here. I don't know what's going to happen next, but every Raider fan in this community of Raider fans, man, you're battling amongst yourselves instead of battling the Broncos and Kansas City and the Chargers and all that. Those fans hate your guts, okay? They hate your guts. They hate everything about the Raiders, so you kind of should circle the wagon, as Chris Berman would say, and go, hey, man, I don't love everything that's happening here. I don't know if I love this plan, but arrows are getting flown inside the Raider Nation all the time. We better come together. And I'd like to see more of that. And if we don't, I'll just act accordingly. One more on this before we get you on the phones here. What about bringing in Jimmy G and how it affects the draft? Because everybody knows the Raiders could get a high-end quarterback early if they want. I mean, obviously, it makes you feel better if you come out of there without, you know, uh, somebody specific. Um, But I think in terms of our roster, um, what we've tried to do is put ourselves in a position so we can actually draft the best player that we feel like is available at the time. Um, And we're open to anything, you know what I mean? And and that's that's nothing new, but um, if that happened to be a quarterback, then it's a quarterback. If it happened to be... A defense alignment, it's a defense alignment. It happened to be a tight end, it's a tight end. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, whatever whatever player, we're doing our work on everybody, um, trying to do our due diligence on every spot in the draft. Um, and we, we know we pick high in every round, basically. And so it's, you know, it's an opportunity that you hope you don't have a whole lot of, um, but we're going to try to take full advantage of if we can this year. All right, so that's the first uh, group of sound bites we played. We have plenty of more. I'd like to go to the phones. I'd like to go to the phones when we come back and get your opinion on the NFL owners meeting, what the coach said about the quarterback. If you listened ahead and you listened on the defense and everything else that's out there, if you already watched it and listened to it, then you can call in on all of it. But I want your opinion on where the Raiders stand a month out from the draft. Okay, I'm not looking for the player, but right there, Josh McDaniels gave you what you have to do, a non-answer. Someone's asking him about the quarterback. He's not going to tell you anything. He's not going to tell you that they're taking a quarterback and trading up to number three or four. He's not going to say that they're going to trade back and get a lesser quarterback. He's not going to tell you anything, but he's got to answer the question. And the question is best available. You know what's funny? He might be right. It could turn out to be that way. The best available player could be Gonzalez, the cornerback. It could be Carter dropping to play defense. In, in, in the front and do that it could be I don't think it should be a tight end or a quarterback I don't think it should be a wide receiver I think it should be one of two defensive positions in my opinion defensive tackle or corner at number seven and there's no problem no problem nada getting a defensive tackle or a corner with the seventh pick overall no problem at all you need the best available and they'll be the best at that position most likely so that's where I see this as we open it up, 702-365-9200, 702-365-9200 on the Raiders at the NFL owners meetings. Mike Florio at the top of the hour. This will be a big interview on Lamar Jackson, who I want to get into because it's a big football national topic. 
And then I also went to the Sweet 16, the Elite 8, excuse me, and saw UConn blow out Gonzaga. I got opinions on that. And how about VGK? Be nice to take out Connor McDavid twice quickly. We'll get into that. 702-365-9200. The monologue brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. Coaches will meet to shake hands. Next stop, Houston for Connecticut. For the sixth time in school history, the first since 2014, the Connecticut Huskies are going to the Final Four. Connecticut with a dominant win, 82-54 over Gonzaga, and now on the Lone Star State, where Connecticut will play for another national championship. It's Westwood one on the call. UConn came into Vegas and won easily. They blew out Gonzaga, or like I like to say, Zagalicious, blew their doors off in what was, I thought, a really bad played game. I had a great time. My wife and I, thanks to X's and O's of success, my buddies DJ and Jay had me out to the game. We had a beautiful night there. It was just a proud night to sit there, not too far away from the Gonzaga family section. But I thought Gonzaga would play a little bit harder than that. We are brought to you by Grimaldi's. Got five pies there yesterday for my nephews and son there. The Brooklyn Bridge. We went over to Boca Park. Got a bunch of pizzas. Five of them. Five of them for these guys. They're all monsters. They ate them all up. Grimaldi's best pizza I ever had. And speaking of monsters, the kids growing up. Adrian, a happy silver and black birthday. Shout out. 20 years old. Black hole young member. Cisco the president of the Vegas chapter, son. I've known this young man since he was a toddler, and he's 20. Wow, that, that happened quickly here. So, Adrian, happy birthday, a silver and black birthday for you, buddy. Appreciate your dad. Appreciate the black hole. Appreciate you listening to the show. Have a great birthday there. So no Jimmy G calls. That's great. Let me pivot to something else. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was spent as the, as the player that the coach spent the most time talking about today. And I want to get into March Madness. Casey Jacobson is going to join us coming up here a little bit. Uh, A little bit more from Josh McDaniels on what he thought of Jimmy Garoppolo. Some of the sounds here. I think the big one about the injuries going forward. He's had a lot of them in the past. How does he describe them? Yeah, I mean, look, anytime a guy has injuries, I mean, you you look into all of those things. Um, Generally, his injuries haven't been connected to one another. You know, shoulder, foot you know ankle knee etc so it's not one area of his body so um some of it's circumstance some of it's you know just uh bad luck if you will um but generally speaking um the backup quarterback position or the depth at that spot is obviously something that you know you you need to address and try to do it the right way uh we're doing a deep dive obviously in the draft um I would love to have a quarterback room that's, you know, got guys that are young, developing, under contract, that you can continue to work with every year, uh, as opposed to try to do the veteran route, you know, every season if you can. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it goes and how this next month and a half shakes out. But um, confident Jimmy will be ready to roll, you know, and uh, certainly uh, need to do our work and do a good job of finding our, our backup plan. That was a very interesting soundbite to me. It's something I preach all the time on the radio is that you can't predict injuries. 
And what he said was, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not a guy with a chronic shoulder, a chronic knee. He doesn't have a chronic injury. He said, circumstances and bad luck. And that's what happens. Some guys get this title that they're always injured and they're injury prone. I don't see that with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, the injuries are all separate, not tied to one body part. He doesn't have the same problem nagging over and over again. He's just had some unforeseen injuries, bad luck, like every other quarterback in this league who gets injured. Now, when you start getting injured and you can't get your elbow right, you know, Brock Purdy had this big elbow surgery, serious, right? Or you just can't get your shoulder going. Cam Newton, Cam Newton to me has a shoulder issue. He can't throw because he's been hit so much. Then you get guys who have had two ACL tears over the years. Jimmy Garoppolo is not in that boat. But Jimmy Garoppolo, at times when he gets blasted in the pocket or gets hurt, he's gone for a while. So as Josh McDaniels told you at the end of that soundbite, they're going to look for depth, and they'd like to have younger depth at all. Well, if Bryce Young is not younger depth. He's an instant starter along with C.J. Stroud. And the Raiders reportedly look to trade up to number one to get one of those two guys. So if the Raiders don't get a quarterback at number seven, then they're going to have to get a quarterback later in the draft. And whoever that is, whoever it is, it's going to be a project. I don't think Hendon Hooker will be available. So one of the things that have been suggested by a lot of Raider fans, if the Raiders at number seven take the best defensive player available, which I think they will, and now we get to pick 18, 19, 20, and Hendon Hooker's still there, would the Raiders give up two seconds to move up and get that pick and go get Hendon Hooker? I'd have no problem with that, but I don't think he's going to be there. I think another team is going to look to get Hendon Hooker because they're going to have a bigger quarterback need than the Raiders. And I, I think I'm talking about this till I'm blue in the face. What do the Raiders need? The Raiders need a backup quarterback now, a veteran if Jimmy G gets hurt. A rookie who's not a top pick is just a rookie who's kind of a reach. Now, if you can get someone in the second round who's the equivalent of Derek Carr when he came out of Fresno State, fine. That's a good player. Derek Carr played pretty early in his career. Maybe you bench that player for a couple of years behind Jimmy Garoppolo. But I don't know. It's not going to be perfect here. Uh, Josh McDaniels talking more about the backup quarterback position, which is going to be very important coming off of OTAs, the draft, and when they get ready for the preseason. It's been both. I've done both. Um, Jimmy actually ended up being the backup when he was a rookie. Um, Jarrett Stidham actually was the backup when he was a rookie. You know, Um, so there's an element of that. You know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Matt Castle and I think it was Flutie and Castle were together a little bit, so we had a couple guys there. But it's not it's not one thing, you know what I mean? It, depending on how you go about finding that spot um, and who the kid is, it could be a rookie, it could be a veteran. Um, I think the goal, though, is to try to eventually you know, draft a player at that position that you continue to move forward with and develop. We've done that. I've done that. I've been a part of that. I enjoy doing that. I think it's a really good philosophy to have organizationally so you're not chasing a brand-new backup quarterback every year and trying to identify who the best fit is. So um, see if we can figure that out in the next month here. I really think these are good sound bites by the head coach. I do. I interview him every week during the season, and you hear him on the radio hear those interviews. And I think here when you go and listen to what he has to say, What he's done best his entire life is control a quarterback room, not be a head coach. I'll be the first to admit it. You know that Josh McDaniels resume is not built on being a successful head coach. He's trying to get here. His resume is built on developing the quarterback room. 
You develop Tom Brady into the greatest. You develop Jimmy Garoppolo. You develop Stidham, Matt Castle. You get Cam Newton. How'd that work out? Pretty good for a while. And then Mac Jones, which might be some of his best work before he left to come to the Raiders. They got Mac Jones quickly up to NFL speed. That's what he does best. Now he's a head coach. He just can't be in that quarterback room all day working with a backup quarterback, right? He's got to be working with the defense, special teams. He's got to delegate to everybody else out there, which is what he will be evaluated at long-term as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So he knows how to handle that part of it. You give him a young quarterback, that young quarterback will get the playbook that all the other great young quarterbacks got and he helped develop. And look, and they're good players in this league. But he's got to do a lot more than that. We're wrapping up what he has to say about Jimmy Garoppolo. If you've got an opinion on this, 702-365-9200. I like this because this is what I talked to Jimmy G about in my interview with him. Red zone offense, here's what the coach thinks of Jimmy G making those decisions. We had opportunities last year, and, and again, there's a lot of things we can do better from last season. We, we've tried to go through our entire process and be critical of ourselves and what we've done and how we can improve it. Um, and that's certainly an area that if you're going to be good in the NFL and win a lot of close games, which, as we heard last night in the, in the session, like, you know, there's more close games now than there's ever been. And so, you know, being able to convert those third down opportunities in the red zone, being able to score more touchdowns in the red zone is obviously paramount to being able to go further in the into the season, make the playoffs and, and, and beyond. So, um there's definitely going to be a focus for us, um, you know, in terms of being able to try to be more productive down there. And Jimmy, you're right, Jimmy has had a great track record down there, and hopefully he can bring that here to, to Vegas. That really unlocks the door a lot. That soundbite, save that one, Bobby. It unlocks the door of the exit of Derek Carr. Right there, that soundbite basically tells you why Derek Carr isn't here. But I think the coach and his staff deserves to take some criticism with the play calling the leads the leads falling apart, and Derek Carr not executing as well as he could in the red zone. And all of us in Raider Nation have been trying to figure out for a while, why didn't it work in the red zone? Well, I think a primary part of the problem was Waller wasn't available and Renfro was hurt most of the year. Take away those two weapons, even if you have Matt Collins, a great touchdown he caught in Tennessee. If you go around and look at some of the players that they've had there that could make plays like Foster Moreau, whoever it was, The offense wasn't comfortable at the level of Josh McDaniels in the red zone. So you got to throw out Tom Brady and say he's the greatest of all time. Well, they believe Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Derek Carr in the red zone. And the stats back that up. But we're not playing with stats now. We're putting a new jersey on Jimmy G. We're bringing him out there with a bunch of new players. And he's got to execute in the red zone. But I think this soundbite also coming up here is the key on why they moved on from Derek Carr. They moved on from Derek Carr, and they're trying to elevate this offense in general because the red zone is not where it needs to be. Here's the head coach from this morning. I think he's, you know, look, when you get down there, there's less space. Um, There's more defenders in a smaller area. Uh, It's easier to disguise. So there's, you know, there's a lot going on for the quarterback. And so to be able to sort it out, make decisions quick decisions under pressure with less information uh, you know that takes time you know and and so Jimmy's learned and adapted uh, to our league and to our game and been able to play um, you know fast down there which is important get to the right guy 
You know, because a lot of times there's a few guys that are double teamed and there's one or two that might not be. And he gets to him pretty quickly and gets through his progressions and, and just has a knack for making some plays down there. Well, that, that's it. There you go. That's it. That, you just got the whole game plan for the whole bleeping season coming up. Get in the red zone. You brought in the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, who goes through his reads quicker, makes better decisions, and is just good at that. And then we'll know. We'll look at the Jimmy G stats and compare it to other quarterbacks around the league. But there's no excuse if the red zone doesn't get cleaned up. They got their guy. He's good in the red zone. He's won a lot of big games. He's good in his progressions. And he's got to take control of that big stat sheet when it comes to this upcoming year. Casey Jacobson, what a college player he was. He's a great analyst. On the final four being set, he'll join us next here on Raider Nation Radio. I wasn't given an explanation. They just didn't think there was any time left. Um, there was no call on the floor on whose ball it was, so I, I, I don't. I'm not sure what they were reviewing. Um, but I, I'm, I'm Pete. With all due respect, I, uh, two teams played their tails off. Officiating's part of the game, um, and uh, we're not going to go there. Uh, we lost the game because we didn't do enough, and, and San Diego State did. That's Doug McDermott, head coach of Creighton. I won't say they got robbed. I thought that was a bad foul call at the end of the game. It was a foul to the letter of the law, but you don't blow that whistle with overtime pending in a tie game on someone's hip. If it hits their wrist, if it's a foul on the elbow, a foul right there on the hand as he's shooting, I get it. I wouldn't have called the foul there, but I'm not a referee. We bring in Casey Jacobson. What a career he had at Stanford. I think I covered his entire career when I was up there on the Ticket 1050. What a great analyst now for Fox and Fox Sports 1. Casey, always good to talk to you here for a few minutes. Let's get into what we've seen so far. Give me the good and bad of what we got coming to the Final Four. Well, the good is obvious. First of all, Jay-Z, thanks for having me on, man. It's good to be with you, Mr. Brother. Same here. Um, the good is obvious. Uh, it's what we love about this tournament. Uh, JT, I know I'm biased. I love college basketball. I've been an analyst now for nine years, and this is the best sporting event that our wonderful country has to offer. And one of the reasons why is because of this one-and-done nature, because of college sports and the regional uh, pride that people have in their alma maters. Um, or, you know, some, some fans adopt the smaller teams that they've never heard of or never followed, uh, teams like Florida Atlantic. We get teams like this every, not every year, but every um, one, every two or three years, we get them VCU and George Mason and Loyola Chicago. This year it's Florida Atlantic, but this is not the Cinderella that, um, you know, most people are making it out to be. Florida Atlantic has won almost 35 games and, and they've been in the, ranked in the top 25 for the last, uh, I don't know, month of the regular season. So it's, some of us saw this coming. This is a team that can shoot the three. And they're winning games despite the fact that they haven't really shot it as well as they can. So seeing FAU in it, seeing San Diego State make their first trip to the Final Four, Miami make their first trip to the Final Four, regardless of whether or not you went to one of those schools, that's the beauty of this tournament compared to, let's say, the college football playoffs, which doesn't seem as uh, inclusive, let's say. Um, that, mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. The bad is, look, we, you know, um, we like to watch the big brands. We, we love to see Michigan State play Duke or Villanova against Kansas. 
I know I love that. I love to see multiple NBA players. I love to, to see these huge, massive brands that have the best players in the country duke it out uh, to say that I don't would be lying to you. So uh, maybe the television ratings will, will show some of that bad. But to me, I'm a you're asking the wrong dude. I'm a basketball junkie, a basketball nut. I understand how hard it is to win and get in advance in this tournament. So whoever does it, regardless of what seed or number is next to their name, I have a ton of respect and can't wait to watch it next weekend. Casey Jacobson joins us, Fox Sports College Hoops analyst. Now, I think you're the perfect guy to ask this question because you're the type of player at the height of your game in college, you would have had the ball on that final play, trying to get that last shot off with the clock coming down, maybe attacking the rim instead of a jump shot. You tell me what type of play that was and should that foul have been called I know to the letter of the law it was a foul, but I have the stats in front of me on the limited fouls called in that game and the fact that the refs huddled up before that ball came in on the final possession. I just thought it was one of those cases he swallowed the whistle and go to overtime because it wasn't on the wrist. He didn't knock him off his feet. It wasn't the hip sliding out. Walk me through that final play and if they made the right call. Yeah, this is so interesting. I totally understand how controversial this is. And I can see it from both sides. Now, I'll walk you through what I think. But, like, and I'm not trying to to dodge the question. I I will answer it. Here's the thing. By letter of the law, that was a foul. As a former player, if I'm going up to shoot a floater and somebody puts their hand on my midsection and bumps me off my spot, that makes it twice as difficult of a shot to make than it would if their hand wasn't on me. Even if it's a little nudge, that is a nudge enough to miss a shot that I would likely or normally make. And so by letter of the law, that is a foul. However, having said that, JT, I don't like the call, and here's why. So I understand, you know, hey, people will say, if it's a foul in the first four minutes of the game, it's got to be a foul in the last four minutes, right? That is not true. I've never lived my life that way. I've never lived my basketball playing life that way. Here's what I mean. In the last minute of a game, if I am a player, I know that I'm not going to get a ticky-tack foul. I play the game as if I'm anticipating i got to be tougher because the referees shouldn't bail out players. The foul must be crystal clear to make it in that moment, especially on the biggest stage. But I think in just any basketball game, to me, a close game, the foul must be clear. And in the player's mind, in my mind, I was like, there's no way I would have anticipated that foul. Would I have wanted it? Yes. But if it went uncalled, I would not have been surprised. In fact, my dad, Von Jacobson, would have been like, son, you can't beg for a whistle on that play. you got to make it. And if, if you can't make it through the and one, then you don't deserve uh, uh, to win the game. You've got to go win it in overtime. That, that's how it is. Nicely said. Casey Jacobson, three-time all-packed in, three NCAA tournament appearances with Stanford. So I want to ask you what I think is the bigger topic overall about expectations now going forward. I think that some teams, you know, FAU's expectations is to make the tournament, not to win the NCAA tournament in reality. A team like Kentucky, I think their expectations now are to start to recruit players for the NBA. I mean, when was the last time? It's been a while for Coach Cal uh, getting to the Elite Eight, let alone going there. And I'm seeing the NIL on the portal and players transferring and they're on the bench one year and they're starting for a potential team like San Diego State and FAU and they save their college career. 
Do you like this with the money, the NIL, the transfer portal? Is it going to make this tournament look more like this in years to come? Or do we want to get back to Ewing and Leitner and a blue blood team or two there to make it feel a little bit bigger? Well, I mean, two years ago, the tournament still had all the blue buds, despite the fact that the transfer portal was hot. I mean, over, what was it, like 700 uh, players transferred? Mm -hmm. Uh, Two years ago, we still had four, you know, big boys. This year, um, like, I understand NIL is a bigger deal this year than it was last year, and it might continue to go that way. Or the NCAA might try and, you know, put some fences around this stuff. I do think that this year is a little bit crazier than we've ever seen. I don't think this is going to be the norm. Um, so, you know, like the, the college basketball landscape in almost every single way I can think of has been changing, um, you know, including conference realignment. I don't even know if there's going to be a Pac-12 the way I know it to be um, in a couple of years. So, you know, I, I guess I can't predict the future, but JT, it, it's hard for me to imagine that the way this tournament has unfolded is going to be normal. There's been nothing normal about what's been going on. I know teams are a little bit older um, because mm-hmm. of the transfer portal. We're seeing a lot of fifth-year and sometimes even sixth-year seniors playing college basketball. But that's going to go away because that extra year of COVID isn't going to last forever, right? It's only going to last, I think, one more year, and then all those players will have cycled through, maybe two more years, and all those players will have cycled through, and then you're not going to get that extra year anymore, if you know what I mean. Finally, Casey, I don't know how much you talk about odds, but we'll just mention it because I'm from Vegas, and everybody who's listening wants to. I saw enormous crowds here in Vegas. I went to the first-ever regional with the UConn game as they blew out Gonzaga. We got FAU, San Diego State, Miami, UConn. It feels like Miami, UConn is the heavyweight fight. It reminds me of the Super Bowl, like the Brady years. Whoever wins that AFC championship is probably going to win the Super Bowl. I'm assuming the winner is going to come out of Miami versus UConn, but I'll be the first to admit I I could be completely wrong because FAU is taking on San Diego State. San Diego State's a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and UConn is a heavy five-and-a-half-point favorite against Miami here. Just not from a gaming perspective, but with these two matchups here, is there a team that you watched all year long that you think are head and shoulders the best team and probably going to win? I think UConn, they're the betting favorite. They should be. I've seen them. They started the season 14-0. and They rose to number two in the country. Those 14 wins all came by double digits. And then they hit a skid in the Big East Conference, JT, in in January. They lost six of eight games. Most of those games were on the road against really good. The Big East was awesome this year. So going on a skid isn't embarrassing. It just happened to UConn. And then they've rebounded, and they've looked like that number two team in the country lately. They have to be the favorite. They're the deepest team, arguably the most athletic. They can play both sides of the floor. I think that UConn is going to give – uh, Miami's backcourt, which has been awesome. Some problems on the other side. I'm going with San Diego State. The way that they have guarded the three-point line has been tremendous. Last two games for the Aztecs against Alabama and Creighton, both really good teams on both sides of the ball, teams that can shoot it. Those two teams, Alabama and Creighton, combined five for 44 from three-point land against the Aztecs' defense. That is insanity FAU wants to shoot the three ball well and they're not going to be able to and if they can I think San Diego State's going to going to get that one but but they're not going to have enough bodies to be able to slow down UConn this is UConn's tournament to lose right now and a quick follow-up is that Danny Hurley doing something I'm not aware of that you are as a former great player and a great analyst what did he do just a little bit of that roster development because I watched him 
at the game in Vegas the other night, and he was chirping, he was loud, he was up and down, motivating. First guy to greet his players during timeouts at half court. Tell me just a little bit about this coach and why this team is just clicking and how he got these players. Danny Hurley's been true to himself. He can be a little bit wild on the sidelines. He's tried to dial it back just a little bit without you know, uh, relinquishing who he is. Um, the development, JT, is what I've been most – they've continued to just build brick by brick. They lost in the first round of the tournament last year. It gutted them. Uh, Adama Sinogo went to work. He is now a much better player. Jordan Hawkins, who was a freshman last year, showed flashes but was wildly inconsistent, is now a sophomore stud averaging 16 points a game. It's almost double his average from a year ago. They bring in Tristan Newton, a point guard that's been up and down, but they, like they're trusting him late in games now. And they have two bigs, not only Sonogo, but Donovan Klingon. Klingon, a, a freshman coming off the bench, 7-2. And when, they, when he comes in, he's like – different than Sonogo. He's not the back-to-the-basket, low-post grinder. He's more of a rim runner, a shot blocker, and a dunker. And then Andre Jackson's their kind of do-it-all, versatile guy. Everybody got better. The, the, uh, the players deserve credit. Uh, Danny Hurley deserves credit. Um, and that fan base is going to be ready to back them, man. I, the Huskies are impressive right now. KC, continued success. You do a great job. Love seeing you on TV. When you're on the radio, I'm always tuning in. Thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate you. Appreciate you too, JTC, man. Thank you. KC Jacobson, wow. Nice to have that conversation with him. As we get ready for the Final Four, and I got a lot of opinions on this, they better get some eyeballs on this game. If you've never been to a Final Four, go to this one. Plenty of tickets available with no schools from Texas going, including Houston. Place will be empty at times, in my opinion. You can get into that joint for 40 bucks on Saturday, I promise you. We'll be back with Mike Florio from the owners' meetings next.